Hello and welcome to the 55-1 Podcast. I am Wes Berdine. I am joined on the phone with Alex Schieferdecker in West Philadelphia. How are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm I'm great. Top of the world, man. It's uh, it's Megan Rapinoe's world, and we're all just living in it. Uh, also living in Megan Rapinoe's world, uh, it's uh, Rodrigo Sanchez Cheveria. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm good. We just uh, just came back from shipping off Isa Watch and wife Nubia off to uh, Sweden to play on the Gothia Cup. So it should be interesting. I forgot to I forgot to uh, to tweet our friend John, a friend of the podcast, to. Uh, uh, let them know, see how that works out over there. So, to um, to uh, Johan, yeah, um, to, yeah, you should should let him know. He can go uh, cheer him on. Yeah, he's yeah. got they nothing. Got some really weird schedules. It was kind of cool, but like they're trained. They're, they're having host families, and then they're training, and then they're when they move from host families, they go and stay in certain places, and they're actually going to train with other clubs. So that should be interesting. So, okay, and they might get to watch uh, uh, a match out there as well too. So, oh, cool. Do you know which team? No idea. I turn it he says to be determined, but says so watch professional soccer match. So that's all I'm saying. So cool. So yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll, I'll tweet at him. I'll tweet at our our friend Johan, and then we'll we'll figure it out. Um, what's going on? So uh, we probably will be joined by Eric, but who knows? He lives in his own uh, on his it's own. Clock. Eric's world. Um, and so yeah, we are going to talk about uh, obviously the World Cup. Uh, the U.S. wins. Um, we're going to talk about the Gold Cup and Copa America a little bit because it was a crazy Sunday, um, and then uh, we've also, you know, we've got Minnesota United. They uh, got nine points from three games in a week, and so that's a pretty damn good haul. Um, and, uh, and then we've got Twitter questions. Twitter questions. That sound like a fair thing to do. Let's just uh, let's do big quarters and and then on three, one, one two, three. three. Big So before we kick too far into the show, I do want to say that uh, Podium Wear is sponsoring this whole month. Uh, we're going to talk about the jerseys later in the episode, uh, but Podium Wear, as you know, I, I want you all to all at least go check out PodiumWear.com. If you have a adult rec team, if you um, are involved at all in youth soccer, whether you are a coach or a director of, uh, of soccer or you're a parent and you're just... Uh, want to be like, hey, why do we have all this Adidas stuff, or why do we have uh, Dick Sporting Good? What I don't know who makes. <laughs> all I know or, is, or it's just the business that wants to wear really cool stuff made by Podium Wear. Either exactly. Yeah, uh, so, um, so thank you, Podium Wear. Um, let's let's kick off. Uh, I don't want to jump right into the World Cup. I'm not ready for that. Your podcast. Wes. So let's start with you. Well, let's actually start with Gold Cup in case Eric gets here and he can talk about Brazil versus Peru in the Copa America. Uh, Gold Cup, U.S. zero, Mexico one. Uh, U.S. came out and first thirty minutes looked like uh, they were really flying high. Uh, Altidore misses a, a, a an amazing chance just wide. There's a couple other chances that they had. Um, 
then they, in the second half, they just it looked like everyone was just you know tired, and uh, and then the best we had to bring on was Jossie Zardes, Christian Roldan, and then a left back with uh, Daniel Levitz. Alex, did did you uh, did you catch all all these finals that day, or did you uh, just pick and choose? I, I I did not catch the Copa America, but I saw the Gold Cup okay. final. So. U.S. Were you satisfied with what you saw? It was a tough, you know, always tough losing to a Dos Santos brother. Yeah, I don't know if I'm satisfied. I'm not, I'm not satisfied. You know, we lost, um, but I'm not surprised. I mean, there are a lot of players, especially from Europe, missing in this team, and there are a lot of players who I think will play very big roles in this team, who are a year or two years away from doing so. So. I'm not, you know, I'm not freaking out about it. I think that a foundation is being laid, and I hope that it's successful. I saw a little bit this Gold Cup to believe that it will be, and a little bit to believe that we might still be in trouble. Uh, so it's a little too early to say, but, you know, Mexico are a good team, too, and you know, United States and Mexico are going to go at it like this for years to come. So I, I, I hope people don't have it in their head that suddenly we're going to wake up tomorrow and just crush Mexico every time we play them. That's not going to happen. Yeah, I, you know, we got a question from Aaron Wellman who says, you know, I'm curious how close this 2019 squad was to our A-team. Obviously, we had some injuries of Tyler Adams. What happened to players like Bedoya, Fabian Johnson, John Brooks, DeAndre Edlin? They can't be too old, right? Um, we certainly were missing some players. Just look at the substitution. Yeah, right. I, I think... Um, Mexico were saying, oh, this was a, their RB minus squad because we didn't have, and then all these players, and it was really disingenuous because some of them were like Carlos Vela. It's like, well, Vela hasn't been part of the international the squad for ages. He took himself out of content. It's like, okay, well, we didn't have Landon Donovan, so, okay, I mean, I, it's a bit weird. Uh, we didn't yeah. have Nevin Sabatic either, so we, we would have done really well there. Um, I mean, so, it's not like Mexico, you know, blew out a lot of teams to get here it's you know even with a b minus squad i don't i don't think they had as a successful campaign as you were ex- people were expecting at least from my opinion from my point of view i think they did okay and yeah, they got a dodgy penalty against costa rica yeah. come on yeah and then and then and, I, and then they got a they they you know they got uh, into a game where it was it was very competitive and then just it was one one goal difference. That's yeah. That's not domination. It so. should have had should have had at least one red card. I, I mean, I, I think any gloating happening from Mexico fans is like you realize that you had a terrible tournament and then squeaked by uh, in the final. Uh, I, I mean, certainly they were dominant in that second half, but uh, they only had one chance. Right, but they, they, the, the Mexico's problem throughout this whole Gold Cup has always been you can't finish. Yeah. And that and it was relevant in this in, this, in the final as well too. Yeah. I mean, how many chances they have it? He just couldn't put the ball away. I mean, he met. I mean, Raul Jimenez got got put on the on the on the squad as the striker, and I was like, no, I was like, no, I don't agree with that. Yeah, yeah. So I I I, I think to answer that question, the the real thing is that everyone's talking about uh, how we need to get rid of all these veterans. We need to go younger and younger. We played. We started like seven kids right reggie cannon started 
uh, you know, Zach Steffen. Like, we've already gone away with that. I think that Reggie Cannon is uh, our number one or two right back, but he's just young. And so a year from now, he'll be in World Cup qualifying and being getting ready. And so how many veterans started besides Altador and Bradley? I know that I know that Altador and Bradley have these insane sort of like hate parades against them for, yeah. for really no reason. But Tim Ream right. is the only other one I can think of, right? Uh yeah, I guess. And so and and Tim Ream had a had a good game. Um he he obviously is being played not in his optimal position and we just don't have a a great option there. Um you know, I, I think certainly the the question was depth. We obviously needed a better backup striker. Um you know, and, and people talk about Paxton Pomacole and other guys who are pretty much ready to be to start being vetted uh, as uh, to replace people like Bradley. And I, I do think Altador is still our best striker by a mile. But Bradley, like if you put Tyler Adams in there, uh, you know, do you need Bradley anymore? Maybe not. Um, uh, Bradley's going to be with his team for a while. Bradley's going to be with his team until he's going to be with his team until he's like Demarcus Beasley. Sure, uh, he's just he's too good. Uh, people, I don't. Uh, I think that the, the Bradley haters are completely out of their minds. I mean, there's just he's a very very good player. He's one of the best players the United States has ever produced. Yeah, and Altidore is one of the best strikers the United States has ever produced. And People can't see that for some reason, but thankfully, every coach the United States has ever had is not under any illusions otherwise. And Bradley and Altador, these, I think that this generation of players has most part been a failure for the United States. And maybe you can argue that Bradley and Altador had the potential to achieve more in Europe, but they're still very important players for this team at the very least to teach the younger players, you know, what, what it's like, but yeah, teach, uh, M- Michael Bradley can teach them what it's like to be a robot murdering machine. Yeah, I mean, perfect. <laughs> Just for, you know, 30 robot yard out. volley goals yeah. against Mexico and Azteca. Right. I, I, this is a process to get this, these young players in. I mean, we have, if you watch the U-20s in the in the U-20 World Cup, you know that there is an extraordinary amount of talent that's coming through the system. But, you know, we're not going to go into the 2020... Like these, we're looking towards the 2026 World Cup with that generation and with players like McKenney. Well, Adams, to, to get them into the 2022 World Cup and do well and get them, get them moving. And you can't simultaneously... Ignoring the 2022 World Cup sure. just as a principle at this point. Yeah. But, but you, I mean, you can't simultaneously ask for uh, us to bring in young players and then be mad that we don't succeed because the biggest error in the game happened from Weston McKinney, who is one of the big stars for the future. You know, he didn't track his man and they, uh, you know, Jonah ran into the box. Um, let's, yeah, and, uh, and, and Zach Steffen, who is this goalkeeper who everyone is like, He's like I don't maybe not easily could have saved it, but he made no effort on a yeah. on a potentially savable shot, and that's a big issue as well. So earlier in the day was the uh, Copa America. Um, Eric Silverbrenneman is here. Hello, man. Hello, hello. Uh, welcome. Sorry, we just Thanks. kicked off without you because right. I've had so many long days yeah, that. Yeah, uh, So uh, it was Brazil versus Peru. I want to go to uh, Rodrigo first to to kind of get your take 
on up until this game, Peru and your excitement for for this team. That I mean, we talked so much about it last year for the World Cup. Um, but uh, w- what did you make of 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 Peru and how how they're looking? I think it's always interesting, specifically when it comes to Copa America time. What is the Peruvian team looking like? And I think. Um, Gareca has done a lot of interesting things and also he's been consistent, right? He's been around usually for more than, you know, one or cycle and he's, and he's going to be here for another cycle. So I think a lot of it, um, uh, and, and it's an semblance of the, of the chemistry that, that, that the United States women team have, like they're all very bonded and they all cheer for each other. And so that bonding aspect of it is, is great to see, but I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, of our midfielders who are who are talented enough to be able to to do certain things. I think this was at Copa America at one time, one point for a goalie Gallese who was uh, who had a bad game, but then also saved three or four penalty kicks throughout the tournament. So that's that's something to be to be to be talked about. We also had, you know, um, I think this is a it was a coming on party for for Tapia and also a coming out party for. Uh, uh, Orejon as well too. I mean, he was he, his goal against uh, his first goal against uh, Chile was was great. I mean, regardless of what was going to happen, you know, we already had faced Brazil. We already knew kind of what we were walking into. And, and as always, as a team, when you play in a final, you you play to win, right? And at one point during the game, right, when it was one one, that's probably the the, the quietest that stadium had been through mm-hmm. through a long time, and that's you know, and it's, it's a little bit about that first goal conceded by Allison in the whole tournament. Yeah, and so it was it was one of those things where I was like, okay, this is getting interesting, but but as but as always, you know, you yeah, uh, stopping uh, a, a Brazilian team that's in sync and also who has a lot of offensive weapons is it's it's not an easy task, and so uh, uh, I mean, this team played hard. They 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 showed what they needed to do. And you know we hadn't been in a in a Copa America final since 1975. Yeah, I mean that's so that's older than I mean, that's that, older than me. I know that story right there, but just makes me yeah. Yeah, it's you. like it's like it's like it was the you know it was before I was born, yeah. and so like that was my main thing. And I think a lot of Peruvians around the world and a lot of Peruvians in Peru were just oh proud man, of they that. turned out too. That stadium was yeah. there was a lot of red and white. And so that was one of those things that that was that we were always turned out. And I mean. There's some videos that were posted up by uh, Marathon, who is the people who make the, the jerseys about mm-hmm. showing pride and about you know being proud of, of, of the kids. And I think Paolo Guerrero proved once again mm-hmm. that he is one of the top strikers in South America. And I don't know, I mean, I mean Brazil is happy to is happy to have him. I don't know when in his career he'll make another move How outside. Old is he? of... He's in his thirties. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Eric, I want to ask you about sixty. Runs like a sixty-year-old, but scores like a twenty-five. I want to ask you about Brazil. Obviously, this yeah. is Brazil uh, sans Neymar. Oh, uh, may, may it be so for the rest of and, time. Yeah, I mean, have you ever? Can you ever think of a team? Uh, I'm sure there's examples that you guys will think, but uh, of a team that, um, or of a player so great that the team should not play with, right? I, I mean. Are there other really comparable examples of that of someone who's so good? But I don't know. In the, in, in the recent present, I don't think so. Yeah, he's he's just such a distraction. I mean, there is talent there, and I recognize the talent, but he's a distraction to the team. He 
he makes especially the midfield so dependent. It's like it's you know there's some parallels to like Minnesota United where you have to constantly be cleaning up for a certain player. Um, just on the opposite end, instead of it being like Calvo in this case. Neymar is doing all this ridiculousness in Casimiro. And I thought that I thought this was an Ibsen reference, but okay. that also yeah, yeah, works. Yeah. That yeah. also works. Yeah. Um, but Casimiro actually got to play his game like for the first time ever. He's like, you mean I I don't need to be trailing his punk ass by like a step or two when he gets tackled or when he rolls or when he dives or when he gets dispossessed? I can actually I can I can press and I can shoot. He scored twice in the Copa America. I don't think he scored any goals for the national team up until this point. I think the the best thing about the, to happen to Brazil, not only that Neymar, is that this team reminded me a lot of that um, that Ronaldo uh, team where like it was just like it was you know it was all power it was all it was all just like attack 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 and have and have a decent enough defense to be able to clean up, but have someone in the goal that can do that. I mean, yeah. I think. I think uh, I think Dunga 2.0. <laughs> is, uh, he's, he really he's, is. Dunga he's, 2.0. I mean, he's he's just a, another offensive weapon that hopefully will be able to blossom and just good. take over. No, he's good. I mean, it's, it's obvious he's good. I mean, it gave everyone headaches. Yeah. I think uh, I think overall, I mean, if this is the team that that, that <laughs> from was, the whiteness of his uh, Nazi <laughs> eugenics blood, right? <laughs> all, all, all the all the sunlight was blurring out everybody That's else's right. eyes. That's right. uh, speaking of though, you you had to. Uh, I want to move to the women's World Cup, but you ha- I, I I I know that you were excited about the entire uh, stadium booing Bolsonaro. Yeah, well, there's ups the and downs. It, it was amazing. Like that that was a. a the saddest part was when he actually came out and he's like, ah, oh, well, I will seize this moment and grab the trophy and party with the team. And I was like, God damn it. I mean, that, that was hard to watch. Um, but yes, that you're right. There was a big crowd response, uh, millions of boos or however many, 60,000. At least thousands. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thousands yeah, yeah. upon thousands. There was a million people there. That's so. right. Millions of uh, people. But then yeah. all, what also was kind of fun was that at, during the award ceremony, Chite denied him. Like Chite or uh, Bolsonaro was giving him a hug and trying to get a handshake, and Chite's like, "No, no, yeah, peace out, motherfucker. I'm not doing it." And then Marquinhos did the bob and weave and just like, yeah, I sk- saw that bob and weave. Marquinhos just skipped that was him. Great. He just skipped him. It would have been better if he did the handshake and then go to the go to the hair yeah. smooth thing. Oh, that would have been. Yeah, just a just a, a, like a note a for Megan Rapino exactly. if she ever. Uh, Unfortunately, she ever that into. was. I feel it almost felt like it was kind of the minority because when he got into the. The group, yeah. and they were all singing. I mean, it, I, I, if I remember correctly, there was like a, a stupid mito chant, and everybody was kind of participating. And yeah, ex- except I mean, for these, gonna, these but few. You, but you're going to get that though, because I you suppose. know he is the person in, in power, and he's probably the person that's going to be it able was to gross, though. open doors. Uh, no, it was gross. Yeah. But I think one of my one of my favorite moments. Um, it was when uh, Gabriel Jesus. Oh yes, I got the double yellow to get the red card. And then somehow <laughs> he didn't for get some very reason, far. He didn't get very he far. He gets to like the top of the right, stairs. He top of the stairs. And somehow the camera pans to him, and he's bawling he's his bawling. eyes out like a whiny you guys little three-year-old. You guys are so mean. And I was like, "What's going on there?" I was like, "Why is the camera panning?" And I was like, "Oh my god, those tears are golden." <laughs> uh, well, let's let's talk about the the um, uh, World Cup uh, because uh, it was a blast. I mean, there's. There's a million things we could say about this game and this tournament. Obviously, every four years, every two years, because the Olympics are also almost as big, but the, the World Cup really is something else. 
um, people freak out and they come out and in like there was obviously a crowd at Blackheart, but there was a crowd at Ladonia. There was a crowd at Brits. So I'm sure there was a crowd at like 50 million other places and people come out and, uh, and, and they're excited about this team and holy crap, did they deliver? Uh, I spent the first half trying to fix. There's this grounding buzzing sound issue in my PA. Oh, I just, I was messing with one of those earlier. And I, I spent I the first here. half, I went to Walmart three times and Target once during the first half. Yeah. I never quite fixed it I until I fixed it a different way the next day. Anyway, so I missed the first half, but apparently I didn't miss much. But uh, It was tense. It was <laughs> it was tense. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think the party was at the Black Card. I mean, that was just such a great atmosphere. I mean, I had my kids when I were only there, but my wife was there. And there's a bunch of other friends that were there. I mean, the atmosphere was just crazy. And it was such such a great place to be at. I don't know. I mean, I I I know that I saw the scene at Brits because I had friends that were at Brits too, and that was that was good to see as well. But I don't know. To me, it was just closer to me. <laughs> it's yeah. like so. Mm-hmm. It's good to have an option for that, and I think that's one of the things. And I think Giselle sat in the very front of the screen, and she kind of like cause she was freaking out about this whole game, and a lot of us, a lot of people were. Uh, and I think you know the first half was just about who. Uh, just you know, bunker mode kind of thing, right? Let's just try to plug up the middle and let's try to go on the counterattack. We, yeah, we, they were going at him from the get go, but man, the uh, Schiefer Decker, what's the the Dutch women's keeper? What's her name? Uh, Van Vindal. She's spectacular. I mean, she won the Golden Glove. Yeah, she des- she had quite a game deservedly. Yeah, yeah, and she doesn't have a team right now. Apparently, that's what right? I heard. Minnesota United. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, so she was all over the place, and and there were some Dutch counters too that were just that really caught the U.S. midfield and de- defense like on the back foot, and I was like, ooh, just uh, just one of these. Alex, where did you watch? I watched at a at a brewery uh, in Philly. They they have a, a sort of um, an open lot to the side of them, and they had a big outdoor screen. They were showing all the finals on the day. There was someone painting a mural of Julie Ertz. And Christian Pulisic, uh, the two two Pennsylvania uh, soccer oh, yeah, stars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot and, Julie was um, from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I think Carly Lloyd was going to be in the background, but he hadn't started painting her yet. Um, and it had all the the names of the countries who were playing on that day. So someone was painting this mural next to the game. Oh, that's great. So, uh, it was a fun time. It was a great time. Um, there were a ton of people out, and I, you know, I have to say that I. Maybe because I, I mean, I was rooting for the United States, but maybe because I wouldn't have minded if the Dutch had won. <laughs> I was, I felt so, I was totally calm throughout the game. I, I uh, people were like, oh, the first half was so tense. And I was like, oh, it wasn't tense. The U.S. were way better, and it was clear they were going to win eventually. Um, and I guess, I guess, you know, not everyone saw it that way. But, but from my perspective, I mean, the Dutch... They had a, a day less of rest. Of rest, they had played stoppage time the previous game, and they really didn't have the depth to do squad rotation. And so, they're basically, the same group that played every match in the tournament. So, you know, it may have been pragmatic to play the defensive style that they did, especially in the first half. But it was sort of shades of the 2010 men's world cup in that they were going to have to get lucky to win because they were playing a superior team and 
they, you know, they were, it was hard to see how, given their rest situation, that they were going to take it 120 minutes plus to PKs, you know, and, and yet it was also hard to see how they were going to play an open game and win against the United States in that, in that condition. So I thought that there was, it was pretty much checkmate from the start, but it was a fun, I'm glad they were competitive and I'm glad the United States won. So the breakthrough happened when uh, Alex Morgan in the second half gets cleated in the chest and, um, and apparently you need a VAR, right? Because it wasn't obvious. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so I mean, but but you were talking about 2010. Away from the referee. You were talking about 2010 World Cup. Uh, yeah. It's a very uh, Dutch thing to do in a final, which is uh, cleaning yeah, someone's so. chest. This time they it was found clear, it. Clear. <clears throat> and Rapino puts it away. Rose Lavelle then makes that uh, Ooh, uh, amazing, uh, amazing, amazing run uh, from the midfield yeah. to, to score. Um, it, it turns the defender. It was left five left runs into the box yeah. and refused to shoot. And then, yeah. and the other side, Vivian Medeban did the exact same thing and yeah. couldn't couldn't find an open opportunity to shoot. And, and so I, I saw lots of people quibbling with who should be the um, uh, golden ball winner, best player of the tournament. Um, you know, should it be Julie Ertz? Who, who's the real? But there's literally, played. literally literally no denying that this was Megan Rapinoe's tournament. She was, in, in a way that uh, a Mia Hamm or Brandy Chastain or, or any of these, like, the big stars who, who gets Carly Lloyd uh, four years ago, you know, she was a superstar that, like, went beyond everything. Um, it, it, was, it was all her tournament. And so now she's going to be doing the talk show circuit for the next eight years. Uh, you know, she's just bigger Can't than wait. she's bigger than life, and um, she can put in a goddamn cross like nobody else. So good, good for her. She's my president, so I <laughs> I I voted for her. Um, <clears throat> I want to go to a couple questions here. Brian Waters and then Neville Eklov. Uh, they kind of both ask questions, but um, outside of getting an NWSL team, please talk about the different ways we can support women's soccer on a local level. Um, and then Neville says, please talk about the local WPSL teams and local and college women's soccer, not just Gophers and how to watch NWSL teams on, et cetera. Um, there's lots of different things. It's really, you know, the, the NWSL is the biggest thing, right? Not having a, a big top of the pyramid that then you can kind of go down from, um, whole us team plays in the NWSL. Yeah. And so, and and just having like locally having like the Gophers can look up to it, and all these other teams, you know. Obviously, um, equal time soccer. Matt Pravatsky yeah, does Matt's a really great job of talking about the uh, uh, Fire ninety eight, who are who are kind of the St. Paul um, uh, WPSL team. But there's there's it's also the Maple Brook ma- team, right? Yeah, there's sev- several yeah, several there's, different there's several teams, and I think the Fire. I mean, they've. <clears throat> They had a they had, they had a great season. I don't I don't I don't even know if they lost a the game. They were advertising throughout the uh, yeah, throughout the Women's World Cup. I don't think they lost um, the game. So and it's like it's one of those things where like where like that's one of the things. But also you know college level. I mean go watch you know I know um, oh Augsburg has a team too that <laughs> is going to be really because it, uh, one of the feeders a couple of Como players are going to that team and mm. so that's going to be really interesting to see how that turns out. And then of course you know. 
we have all the other other uh, smaller college levels uh, teams as well that are that are going that are that are that are, that are good games to come watch specifically in, in in the fall when most of them have their season and so like Hamlin and then there's uh, you know Hamlin has always had a, an okay squad but just make those connections but not only at that level but also go watch you know go this this weekend you know it's a, it's a I don't know. Is it still called the USA Cup? Is it, the Schwanz took away his name. I, I don't know I, what it's. I guess the the tough part is is like the the it's very easy to then like drift out of it of being interested uh, for the until the next two years or four years because there's no it, you, you need like an in like this is the thing I'm watching these players this is the team for me. You know, and so it's really tough for me in, in WSL. I, I tend to follow the North Carolina team uh, when there's a game on. I, I, I'll i try to watch them. Um, Maybe we should and, have uh, Giselle on here for once because that's all she does is just is, is read on stats and, yeah. and, and, and updates and watch games on, on NWSL. Well, you, she was really happy about the fact that it's going to be on ESPN and no longer yeah. on Yahoo. Getting, getting which some was sponsorship a big, money. Sponsorship that was, yeah, that a lot of stuff is still that. on Yahoo. But, um, you know, like the first game on ESPN is this Sunday, 3 p.m. It's Orlando versus Portland. And so, yeah, I mean, the nice thing is we can finally just have those on at the bar, which is, you know, likely no one is going to come in just to watch it. But finally, I just want to have these games on so that same with MLS. Mm -hmm. I'm annoyed when it's just ESPN Plus because I want to just be able to put it on so that I can go home. And I don't have to. It's impossible to teach all the bartenders how to use Roku's. <laughs> Come on, Tony. Learn. They're all like old school. Like getting getting the credit card machines and the, the that was that was tough. I think so Tony I, can do it. Yeah, some of them can. I just need to leave instructions anyway. <laughs> but having the ESPN stuff and, and Yahoo stuff, I have not been able to get on Roku yet. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts of how to. I, for me, I'm always thinking of how can I have a vested interest for, to so that I can like care week in week out and not be like oh yeah the season's gone you know like i i we held a party very early on uh in in me owning the bar for the nwsl final it was great because it was like 25 of us came out and you know i got to know a couple people i'd never met before and there there were some like portland thorns fans there um yep and my so kid was one of those <laughs> yeah and there's one guy from portland or something yeah, like that yeah. you know like I, th- I think the thing things too is like you know i think if you are fans of a lot of the U.S. women national team, you know, make the effort to find out which teams they play for, mm-hmm. right? And then just, you know, if you really make that investment to, to follow and support those teams, right? And, you know, because a, lo- a lot of them play in different places. I mean, we all talked about uh, Sky Blue <laughs> C and how Carly yeah. Lloyd's the only, only, only... We'll see if Sky Blue FC still exists. Exists, in right. Future. And those are the things, right? And be, be, be immersed. Also follow, you know... Um, other blogs that write about stuff. I know. I know. Sometimes MLS Female does that as well too. They 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 talk about some other stuff that's going on. But just be invest in like you know, Twitter is a good way of networking and figuring a lot of this stuff out. But you know, start find a find the players that you like that you adore. You know, where does Rose Lavelle play? Right? Where? Yeah. Where, right? where does Megan yeah, well, play? Well, right? All those places. I was just checking the Fire ninety eight schedule. They have a they have a quick season. Yeah. Start, it's, starts June second and ends June thirtieth. It's just a month. Is no, that correct? It should be longer than that. Um, uh, Nick G. Oh yeah, sorry. Go out. Like with with you know the the question was sort of, of while we sort of wait for an NWSL team in Minnesota, right, or outside of getting an NWSL team, like 
you don't have to wait for like Dr. McGuire to like this decide that the time is right. Like the people in Minnesota can lay the groundwork for that team. Now you can lay the groundwork for that team today. I mean, if Philadelphia's MLS team, the sons of Ben supporters group predates the team by several years. It was just a people who a group of people who were like, we need an MLS team in Philadelphia. Let's gather together and agitate for it. And there are other cities in which fans got together to build something that, that predates any rich person spending money to create a team. And people can do that in Minnesota too. And, you know, when you, if, 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 if anyone has the opportunity to, if they're in, you're in Portland and you're lucky enough to go to a Thorns game, I, I really recommend it because that atmosphere is first class. It, it, would, it would be one of the best atmospheres in, in MLS. And I think that that kind of culture and that kind of atmosphere does not happen by accident. It happens because people lay the groundwork for it and they build on it and they, really dedicate time to it and that doesn't you don't need a team to start start doing that work and and so, and so people in minnesota I, I i really hope do start doing the work for an nwsl team right now because uh it's and then because minnesota and the twin cities are a really tough market there's so much competition um for people's dollars you know any team could could easily fail so a lot of work needs to be done to make to make it happen. Yeah. Um, so Nick G says, if uh, Minnesota gets an NWSL team, who's the player you would want to build around? The answer is Rose Lavelle. So just talk about how awesome she is. <laughs> That's because she's played in Wisconsin, right? It's probably yeah. The closest, right? Is there is there another player that you you you? I mean, I mean, if you pick any of them, like, I don't know. What would you pick, Eric? I mean, I like Rose Lavelle, to be honest. Mallory Pugh? Yeah, Ma- uh, yeah Mallory, Wisconsin, Mallory Pugh, I guess, would be another uh, young candidate for this. I like Pugh. Pew, pew, pew. How old is uh, Press isn't that old either, right? No, Press is 30. Press is 30, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. I'm trying to think of the youngsters, the other ones. Uh, Sam Mewis. Uh-huh. But I don't know if that she's a player you'd like build around. I mean, she, yeah, she's I, a player my daughter likes because she calls her meows. <laughs> there <laughs> we go. Perfect. The, US women, the U.S. women were the oldest team in the tournament. There's the youngest player on the team was Pew at 21, and then Rose Lavelle 24, Lindsey Horan 25. Everyone else, I mean, then you get a bunch of 26, 27. You had yeah. a lot of 30 year olds in the team. Yeah, yeah. Germany so, had a 17 year old, right? Uh, I'm not sure, I but. I mean, the U.S., we haven't, the the next, I frankly don't follow it close enough to know who the next generation of U.S. women's national team players are, but we're going to see this next cycle because the Olympics is going to be very the, different. Yeah, the Olympics is going to be very interesting, you know. but I also think like we would we would steal players from the, the Chicago Red Stars because there's a couple of Minnesota, at least one Minnesota homegrown player playing in there. In there, that might be able to just do that, but I think it's you know, I think Lavelle is a is, is a fine choice just to, to yeah. build a team around. All right, let's uh, let's take a break. We'll um, we'll come back and we'll do Minnesota United talk. <laughs> All right, back on the fifty five one podcast. Let's talk about something else. Let's get real here. Podiumware.com created oh. the Black Heart of St. Paul jersey 
It is on pre-sale only this month. So go to podiumware.com slash blackheart. It's that easy. You can pre-order. Um, we'll also be doing a giveaway this week on Twitter. Uh, and I, I just want to like basically say it's 60 bucks, um, and it comes from a St. Paul shop, which means that uh, I'll kind of explain this for, for like if you are saying, all right, well, what would it be like to work with, with these guys for uh, to get my jerseys for my team, whatever. We got the, the designer. You can work with them or your own designer. I worked with uh, Alec from Fists of the North Star because he's a genius and awesome, and I love working with him. Um, and then you work with their designer, and they give you kind of like feedback, like, all right, well, if you're going to do that, it might have trouble, because we were thinking about doing the rainbow um, circling the entire uh jersey and then it comes becomes really tough to line up the the rings on the seams and then will that look as good so we kind of adjusted our design to what would um, look the best in the final product and then uh, they send you kind of some renderings you okay them then they send you the um, little like the cloth sample of it so that you can see how what does the color look like in print, what's the right. fabric like? What can Brown do for you? And then what can Brown do for you? Um, and then once you're once it's okay, you have they set up a storefront for you that your players can all use, etc. And then everything is created, printed, and hand assembled, like miles away from Black, like two miles away from Blackheart. So it's pretty freaking awesome. So podiumware.com. Really? Wow. You you were not prepared for this. I wasn't. I wasn't. Was I was going to start it earlier, but I didn't know when to come in. <laughs> you just, you just, you just, you feel the spirit, man. Podiumware. Okay. All right. Thank you, Podiumware. Uh, <laughs> we are rescinding our uh, our sponsorship of this. Uh, all right. Let's talk about Minnesota United. Um, they played two games since uh, we last spoke. But I actually can't remember what that other game was. Was that San Jose? Midweek. Yeah. So I don't want to talk about it because I didn't write any notes for it. Montreal <laughs> two, Minnesota United three. We beat San Jose. It we was were, a great win. We already talked about San Jose last podcast. Did we? we? Yes, we did. Really? What was the midweek game that we didn't talk about? I wasn't on No, the we one. talked about uh, something else. Anyway. Uh, so right. let's talk about the game that I know we can talk about. Uh, um, Montreal versus Minnesota. We won three to two. Seven changes overall. Um, and it looked bad from the get-go. 30 seconds in. Seconds. Long ball comes in. Gasper and Coleman combine to, uh, to give up the ghost, as it were. Um, oh, the hits. Here we go again. And uh, yeah, it, it looked bad, right? You had that feeling like, oh, crap. Um, and then a few minutes later, hey, it's Molino. Molino puts this uh, superb, like weirdly chipped pass perfectly to, to Mason Toy, who does a fantastic touch, fantastic finish, and games back on mm-hmm. until four minutes later, a corner kick. We. Sh- Shit the bed, the ball, the it's flopping all around. Poop is getting everywhere. <laughs> then they they put it away. I thought this was going to be the New England game. You remember that that first yeah. year? Oh, 
Um, we're, Tried to forget. Yeah, yeah. You were up there for it, right, Chief? Yeah, it it was like that. Where literally every five minutes we were like, "Hey, we didn't we didn't let up a goal, guys. Congratulations! It's another five minutes." Yeah. Um, what, Alex? What what did you make of this this game? I'm I thought uh, Mason Toy. I don't know Mason Toy and Kevin Molino, but especially Mason Toy because we don't know what he we didn't really know what he can do. I mean, his contribution was unbelievable those were really difficult goals to score and his touch with his leg his touch with his sort of knee on the first one was fantastic and a great finish and he had it was under a lot less pressure on the second goal but his first touch just kills that ball dead it just doesn't it was like an amazing, I mean, the, the long cross, and it lands on his foot and just stops. Yeah, right some there. Harry Potter shit there. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it was unbelievable first touch to do that in a game to to drift off to know to drift off your defender to find that space. The ball comes to you. You just stone cold kill the ball dead, and then and then to know where the goal is and finish right into the corner with no hesitation. I mean. Beautiful goal. Yeah, Beautiful goal. I and, mean, and Toy had said that Molino instructed him to do exactly that. He told him, when I've got the ball, drift off the shoulder, I'll get the ball to you. And twice in a row, he did exactly that, and it, and it was perfect. You're right, the touches were, were uh, obscene. I, mean, I just think Mason Toy, when you add in the friendly against Madison and the U.S. Open Cup, has scored six goals in his last five mm. games with Minnesota. That's, I mean... That's really remarkable. He scored three goals in three MLS games. Babes in Toyland. It is the du- it, I mean, he had scored. He had played like 500 minutes plus for Madison this year without scoring. And I was kind of in the back of my head thinking, like, uh, you know, does he have it? Like, yeah. is he is he not gonna gonna fulfill his potential? I mean, he's still young, but then. He just he suddenly he comes up in the U.S. Open Cup level and then in the MLS level, and is playing like this. It's remarkable. Yeah. It feels like a breakthrough. I really hope he keeps getting time and he keeps uh, giving people, you know, reasons to believe in him because it's really quite exciting. Yeah, um, both. Awesome. I mean, it was really the month of toy. Um, Molino also had a fantastic month, uh, and and that lets us forget that uh, Darwin and Angelo had fantastic months, and Icopara had a fantastic month. It's been, uh, you know, I think the that Foxall had a great month. Yeah, yeah I think Foxall we scored. we all like had going, a great going into um, the Open Cup. They had lost three in a row, and I, I, you know, there was there was legit reason to be like, oh well. We're starting to. We had a pretty decent start to the season, and we're starting to turn this up. And uh, and now, are we still in third? I'm, I'm not. I, we're in fourth. fourth. We're in fourth. Yeah. Okay. After the game, we were in third, and so then Seattle messed it up. Um, the rest of us. I, I mean that that we're is four like four points away from second and four points away from eighth. Yeah, it's so tight. It's and that nice. that's it. And so I think like any any sort of gloating uh, is premature, um, which won't stop. Uh, media professionals from clapping back at fans and calling Adrian Heath a striker whisperer. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Bastion of professionalism. But, uh, um, you know, I, I think that uh, there was reasons to worry. Now there are reasons to be very 
uh, encouraged because I think that what's what's happening, what, what we're seeing is there's depth there um, the uh, to, to, to succeed, but also like we're actually seeing a variety of different ways to get it done. Our, yeah. our defense is still scoring most of the goals, right? Ike Opara, Hassani Dotson, you know, we, like we're getting so many goals from our defense, but uh, it, 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 when you see them clicking like that, when you see Molino back going, uh, it, it creates certainly a, a real excitement for the for the attack, which we were only winning by one nothing earlier in the season. It's the first time in, in three years where I really felt that maybe there is some depth here, that we can have this kind of rotation and get the job done and give these guys chances and have Toy tear everything up and be on fire and get the service for Molino and, and just let Darwin chill out a game or two and Angelo can come in as a sub. I mean, it's like... Okay, this is kind of cool. I mean, a lot of these players needed playing time, and we've been asking to get them more playing time, but it's kind of hard when you have, you know, a Darwin Quintero in there that's actually playing decently now. Um, uh, but, I mean, I, I still think, you know, for Kevin, um, the Gold Cup was probably his, his, his most of the time where he was finally getting his confidence back in order to be able to play in that Gold Cup. I think for, for Toy to be able to, be given the chance to come back and taking advantage of it, which is a uh, you know from his earliest from his earliest involvements you know we had that we had that red card and then we had um, you know but it looked like a little bit less of maturity and him admitting to himself he's being more patient now mm-hmm. uh, where where he's positioning on the field I think those are all great positive things to do and it adds on to the depth that we are looking to have uh, but at the same time we still you know. We still have a Miguel Ibarra who's not who's playing out of position and is not being as as useful in the offense as it is because he has a lot of defensive duties to be able to help out in the defense. So that's true. I guess the thing, the picture I look at is this: for the first time, I think we, we can legitimately think about the depth to carry a, a season and stay in, in playoff contention and actually compete in this Open Cup, right? And keep a roster rotation and go for both. I mean, because that's the goal, right? You don't want to have to sacrifice one for the other. We can legit do both. I mean, I think for, or at for least me, I mean, this is my, my personal thing. Is, is like I, I, I think the Open Cup is great, but that's not my goal. Like, that's not what I want. I mean, I think I think get the, uh, the goal has always been make the playoffs, oh, make yeah. a run at the playoffs. I don't disagree, but I'm saying the way things are going right now, If they, they can, can win a trophy, though. Open Cup gets into Champions League. They can do both. Yeah, if they can win a trophy, that that is... I don't know if I want Minnesota United in a Champions League to be able to just see them <laughs> get obliterated <laughs> by, like, Akira or, like, right. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say something about the attack, which is that if these past couple games, these, these the, the two games this week, Minnesota United crossed the ball in the 21 competitive games they played this year. These were two of their bottom five crossing performances. In other words, they crossed the ball less than almost every other game. And I, I have a theory that may be controversial that the absence of Metanere You're fucking plagiarizing me. Helps the game. You yeah. apparently do not listen to this podcast when you're not on it, Alex, which is very insulting. But you're plagiarizing me. I, He's up in arms. I, 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 did the, I, did, I have a chart that looks at the crosses per game and their percentage accuracy and losing Metanier has caused the team 
to figure out how to attack in different ways. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right because you're saying exactly what I think. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I think the the real test is that because uh, Metnir is now I forgot to say uh, Thursday this week, quarters. two p.m. I think I'm going to open up the game for that. I'll get B in just for the, just for the end of the. It's it's like fifty bucks to get it for this month, but I'll get it just so I can watch it. Um, like, but like. I, so Madagascar's still going, and then yeah, I, I I've got a few uh, email accounts I can do a trial for. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but uh, I, I mean, the real team. the real test is when he comes back. Obviously, you need Metnir back in the team, and then you can figure out where to move Dotson. Do you move him to left? Go to midfield, whatever. But you need Metnir back in the team, and then can the team? Uh, have the confidence to just use that as one tool because Metnir can put in a damn good cross, oh, yeah. and you want that tool in there, but you don't want to be reliant on that one tool. You need to make them be afraid of Metnir. You need to make them be afraid of Darwin. You need to make them afraid of oh now Molino's in etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is a real test. Are can they will they revert back to? What became a really stale, you know, we were talking about those games, the Seattle, DC, that period of like barely winning yeah. or drawing with um, 20, 30 crosses and nothing happening. And it was, it was extremely predictable. Yeah. I mean, also something to point out uh, the last, at least last three games, our possession hasn't been the highest compared to the other team as well, too. No, it's been, been like 35 to 65. Yeah, 35 yeah. to 65 the last three games, and we've been like outscoring people, right? And I think that's, that, that's really, you know, uh, that's, that's a difference. That's, there's something different that we saw from the beginning of the season where we were trying to get more of that 50-50 possession, but we weren't. Our, we aren't. Uh, but that's not what we're doing now. We're just pushing the ball up, yeah. which is fine. I also with Metinier, I mean, he gets that right. My 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 guess would be that you know you still keep either Ch- I don't know Chase. This this last game for Chase wasn't wasn't his best game, but I also don't think that he also wasn't put in the position where he had someone in front of him that. Was a defensive or could play the defensive role in, in helping them at least slow down whoever was attacking them on that side, um, and that uh, you know, I, and I think the San Jose game was was a was a was a good way to see how Miguel really puts in a lot of defensive work to be able to alleviate at least the side that they are attacking the most on. Well, I mean, Chase is still a rookie, right? I mean, we, sh- I think he's looked very impressive, um, but I don't think. I think that he's someone they they should be looking to get more minutes uh, over the next uh, year or two. They have to sign a, a starting left back. Um, I think they'll watch. Uh, yeah. Um, Always. And so I I, I think that uh, the 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 real question is what do you do what do you do with uh, Molino, right? We fully expect Toy to be in this thirty minutes a game. Sometimes he will start. You know. Um, uh, but Molino, Molino is back to, to to really rolling. Can you use Molino and Darwin on the same pitch? That is a really good question. Um, you know, uh, Finley and Miguel, we've talked about, do so much uh, work on the sides, um, and people are talking about us needing a left winger. Um, I, I, I don't, this is a separate question. I, I'm, I am curious if you guys think that's true. But um, can you l- let me ask that first question of Molino and Darwin? Can you get them on the uh, pitch at the same time? Do you want to? Well, Go previously ahead, I I had kind of seriously, kind of not, but suggested Molino as a striker. 
um, and just and just seeing what he could do in that role. With Toy emerging, maybe that's not the best idea anymore. But I think that in with if if I believed at all that Minnesota United were inclined to rotate players, I would suggest that you do a rotation with Molino, Finley, and Quintero, where you have Quintero and Finley play one game, Quintero and Molino play the second game, Molino and Finley play the third game, and you just rotate like that, where every player plays two of three games. Because I think that Molino is knocking on the door at both of those positions, but I'm not sure he's the first choice at either. So getting players some rest and finding a way to get him in the game requires a rotation like that. And in the coming weeks, it shouldn't be so hard because the loons are going to play in like about the next month, month and a half, are going to play three or four weeks where they have two, um, t- two games in a week, you know, and potentially that fourth if they win the U.S. Open Cup game on Wednesday. So, yeah, when when is the uh, next? I, I should have checked this. I meant to. Um, next round of the Open Cup. First week of September. I'll look it up. In okay. A right. Um, because I think that, um, no, it looks like uh, August 7th. Yeah, September. Really? September, first week of August? Down. Yeah. So, uh, you, and also there's the Pachuca. Uh, inter- oh, the Pachuca friendly, friendly right? which Such like in September, yeah. three international friendlies in one summer is very strange. And I. I mean, I, I'm already like. Pay the lighting, I'm already you know? I've not. Just, I've not. Ask the not even here. I'm already like. Pay yeah, the lighting. Just, just I'll probably night. be at the bar and watch from there or something. Yeah. I, I maybe I'll go. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not t- terribly. It's, it's a lot of friendly. Excited. But, but back but. to the question: um, Who would you rotate in? I, I kind of want to f- feel out the rest of you guys' answers for that. My mine mine is uh, um, either I I would do I would swap Quintero and put Molino in it just to give Quintero some rest. Because we've known that if he gets banged up, then we pretty much don't have uh, some sort of offensive presence. And that might be a way to do that. I also see Finley being an option. Um, I just don't uh, see him and and Miguel being an option just because Miguel well, does a lot of defensive work I, in that aspect. Though. I, I think Finley has had um, some pretty, pretty great games in the last month. But he's also, you know, been... Uh, uh, like invisible good at the best yeah. too. and same i'd say the same thing with miguel miguel has been invisible for for some games because he i think though because miguel's doing a lot of other stuff um and, and miguel certainly has not scored during this period which is kind of infuriating uh but you know both of them are doing really good work that molino will not do right um and you know, if we are trying to do this thing where we've got a lot of offense going forward, we need to make sure that we're covering our butts and we're not going back to the old 2017-2018 Minnesota United <laughs> ways. Um, so it's hard to imagine having two of those uh, exciting players in there, though I have t- thought about like Molino on the left, Miguel on the right, Darwin in the middle, um, and then, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, Maybe maybe it's a, a, a Dotson and Alonzo protecting that back line or or something like that. Um, but you need a better left back. You need a great left back in order to allow Molino alone on the left, right? 
Um, so, uh, any, any other questions you have about or things you want to talk about Montreal here? We can move on to looking forward. We, I just I, I didn't get to see it. I was listening on the radio. We just we just arrived off the plane, and I think it was already half an hour or so in. But when everybody started tweeting about the uh, the coaching staff that was ejected, oh yeah, I, I thought I that still... I thought that was the most on brand. Oh, very mel- so meltdown. <laughs> um, so uh, com- coming up, uh, and we're recording this uh, a day later us- than usual on a Tuesday, so so it'll come out. Maybe you'll hear this on the way to the game on Wednesday or something or later. Um, New Mexico United in the Open Cup. It's very exciting. This is a very new team. They have like a sponsor, a car de- or no, uh, um, a credit union basically sponsored their away fans so that like... They chartered a plane. They chartered a plane. Yeah. So it's only like two hundred bucks for them to come up to the game. It's like two hundred of them coming. Um, they're all coming to Blackheart, which means it'll be like normally a, a midweek wow, game, be especially crazy. Open Cup, would be a little tired. Maybe they won't all come, but a lot of them are. Uh, Mick Ultra bought them around, so I had to buy cases of Mick Ultra just for this. <laughs> but um, so, but it, it's it's going to be horror. great. I mean, I, I've been talking to folks with the team. And stuff, and and just telling them like, we we are so excited to see you guys because yeah. we used to be you. We, that's right. We you know that's these days say, were we the were most you. exciting for us when we would be able to go down to KC or or um or wherever and play these games. We um, didn't get a chartered plane though. That's for no sure. no hell no. <laughs> Um, yeah, we don't got we don't, we don't got we don't got Robins with Affinity Plus like that. So. No, um, and so so it'll be a blast to go to go see them, and then uh, this weekend it is FC Dallas on Saturday, um, which will also be a fun game. Return of Luchi Gonzalez. Yeah, and um, tied on the table right behind us, one point. Yeah, giddy yep. up. So it'll be these games be, don't matter now. Really good. Speaking of play your kids, FC yeah. Dallas, and so. Um, yeah, those are exciting games coming up. Um, I'll finish the segment with Andy Davies' question. I'm not used to feeling hope. How do I cope with it? <laughs> you go to the black heart. Here we go. Rodrigo's really doing the sponsorship stuff yeah, over here today. Got it. Excellent work. Um, let's take a break then. We've come back and we've got some questions. <laughs> Here we are on the 55-1 podcast. It is question time. Brian Hanf says, left back and left wing appear to be the only holes in the team identified. And he says, I disagree left wing. But anyway, who's traded to make to, to bring in that player inside MLS? Abu would seem to have minor value, not much. Uh, Miguel and Kevin, high contracts seem unlikely. Those aren't terribly high contracts, by the way. Uh, so let me take the. I'm going to take the last part of that question. You guys can maybe talk about the the holes. I know we've talked about this previously, but um, it is the beginning. Yesterday was the beginning of the transfer window, which means it's the mark of the third edition of Benedetti watch. Um, <laughs> Get so it, all the watches are in effect. Get it. Now. So Abu ha- still has value. Um, He's still Generation Adidas. He's still off the books for someone. And there is going to be another team that will look at him and be like, hey, let's give this guy a shot. A Colorado Rapids, right? A New England Revolution. These teams that are like, yeah, let's get this guy in. Let's see if we can do something that Minnesota couldn't. 
Um, and they might be able to, right? Um, but what do you get from Colorado? Money? Yeah, draft picks and a little bit of money. I mean, you get something. Slam, tam, he, bam. You don't. He's he. The thing is, he's not he. He's not worth that much to Minnesota at this point because I think it's very clear that, that he's, they've, he's lost his spot. It's toy's um, world now. Yeah. Uh, and so the other thing is that Miguel and Kevin, I forget what Kevin's making, 600-something. Miguel's making 500-something. Those are good contracts, but I, I think I don't think there's anyone around the league who doesn't see what Miguel does. And Kevin, there were question marks, but guess who's answered some of those questions, right. you know? I think both, answered the question. both of them have value, or e- Ethan as well. I think has value for a lot of those teams. Um, the question is, do you need to trade them away? Right? I mean, we have good depth right now, and that's going to be what is going to get us. So if weird, we can get a, a home playoff game, right? I mean, that would be that would be huge. That'd be nuts. Goal. That's been the goal since the beginning. A yeah, home playoff. Home game. playoff game. So. But left back and left wing, are those do, do we agree if if they're signing? Because we know that there's basically two players who are coming in. That that's been kind of said, and and Heath yeah. said this week that one player's going to be announced soon. So left back for sure. Are we talking left wing just so that Miguel can get back of a better position? Is that kind I don't of know where idea? the left wing comes from, but CDM. That's what we need. We need someone who to back up. Uh, so back up Alonso. To be able to at least give us, give us some sort of, give him some sort of rest, and also give him some sort of, you know, freedom to be able to do other stuff what's, as well. What's the difference between defensive midfielder and forward in terms of need? Like in both positions, we have a young player who we think could do the job. You said talking about Dotson in that role. Talking about Dotson, which everyone and people have been insisting that his. The team sees his long-term role as as the defensive midfielder. So I, I haven't. So just what's the uh, difference between defensive midfielder yeah. and forward in terms of need? I haven't heard definitively if people think that he's a six or an eight. Six being that defensive role, and eight being more of that. <laughs> people shuttler. think he's not a fullback. That's the main thing, right? Yes, and so so if they do, I, I agree. If the team thinks that this guy has a real future as a pit bull. Uh, Ozzy uh, uh, Jr., then no, you don't sign anyone because we know that he's ready to start. And we know that Ozzy is on borrowed time. Uh, no offense, Ozzy, but you know, um, and that we need to get, we need slash. to get someone in there. Yeah. He's, <laughs> uh, he's going to wait for me out yep. outside my house. Um, so I agree with you there, but they might think that he's, that he's instead going to push Gregush for his spot. And then you do need, you need like this team desperately needs Ozzy Alonso or someone who can do. Uh, it's hard to think about something close taking to that. that role though. They're such I mean, different you, players. You have to think about uh, in a way of like. No, you Dotson know, taking Greg Gush's role. That's what I mean. Ah, what if the what if situation? Like what if what if Ozzy Dotson gets hit? I mean, what if uh, Ozzy gets hit by a bus scenario? Right? What hmm. do you do then? Right? You have to be able to plan for that, right? I'm not. So, I'm not disputing that, but I'm asking, what's the difference between that and the forward role? Right. Like in, in I think it's the same thing. Need. Like, yeah. what if Angelo goes down? Do we believe that Mason is ready to step into the role? Yeah, I think he's yeah. much better, much better prepared than, let's say, uh, Hassani Dotson to step in into. Uh, really, uh, you yeah. think that Mason Toy is more prepared to step in as a forward than Hassani well, he's Dotson? The next person, he's the next person. He's the next person. Up. I mean, you, 
Who who else are you gonna put up there? You gonna put Abdu up there? I don't. I don't. Abu. But, 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 but Hassani's the, the natural more, more person to come in for Alonso. Not I think yet. that's debatable. Not okay. yet. I don't think so. But I mean, that's if that's what they want to mold him into, then then that's what he needs to play at. But at, at the point right now, he's not getting. He's he's getting very limited time playing in the midfield. Yeah. I, I agree. You, I agree with people that, that he needs to play in the midfield. But I don't. I think Toy is more prepared to step on a role if if if. if if Angela goes down. I guess my take is that if you think defensive midfield is an issue, you should also think that forward's an issue. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree. I, I think the, the problem is you, for all these things, I, I have a really hard conceptualizing it because I want to always think of as a, a starter and a on his way to a backup. Sometimes you, you definitely need more than that. Um, you want a Dinladi toy uh, situation where you've got a couple uh, people in the pipeline. Um, sometimes you want, like, LAFC have Diamandi and Christian Ramirez up top, right? I mean, both of those are expensive strikers, and they're both doing different roles and scoring goals. Um, and so I think you could also say that, that we need a center back and that we need someone of Icopara quality um, to pair with him and then have, you know, you, you don't need Almsberg. Uh, we've got great depth with Almsberg, Coleman, and Boxall, but this team could be even better if it had two top quality center backs. So you could look at that and, uh, uh, and you could do with an improvement. If you think that Miguel's going to stay on the left, you could improve on uh, Finley on the right with, if you want a winger, there, but um, to me, the only glaring, desperate need is a, is a starting, great left back, which is not an easy thing to find. Right. Um, uh, Chad asks: uh, Assuming we win against New Mexico, what becomes a higher priority: Open Cup or winning the league games to secure a home playoff spot? Right. So, and we need to finish third or fourth. Is it either? Is it? What's the? I think it's fourth, isn't it? At the lowest. I can't remember. I'm not sure about that. Right. I'll look it up. But let's. You answer the question first, and I'll I'll look up the. Uh, Eric, I already forgot the question. Sorry. What's the priority? <laughs> What's the priority? Work, Once man. we're in the final four, if if we beat New Mexico, final four of Open Cup. Yeah. Oh, uh, we're talking about splitting the two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're only really looking at prioritizing a couple of games. But yeah. how would you? Because this week they definitely rotated so that they could win in Open Cup like yeah. that. They are playing their full strength squad tomorrow. Uh, what are the next? I got to think of the next. Uh, after Dallas, who do we have? Who's Minnesota have? I can only look either, up so many either, questions either, at once. Either secure a home playoff game yeah. for the MLS or keep on playing for a cup in, in, in the. In the uh, I feel like they're kind of on the right path. I mean, if they can keep rotating players the way they're doing it, you know, there's. But this a, is sort of a misleading ahead. question because if you lose once in the Open Cup, you're out. If you lose in MLS league play, I mean you have another game. So they're they're trying to put it on us though, Alex. Like that it's the uh, it's the home field advantage that we really need to either go for. Either one or the other. So, so let's mean, say let's say this. Go ahead, go ahead. Sunday, August fourth, Minnesota plays Portland Timbers. The seventh, we would have an open up open cup game probably midweek, and then August tenth is Dallas away. What would you what would you do there? Would you rest people at home against Portland 
on Sunday. I, I think you play to get into the Open Cup final. What's funny is we might play Portland that way. Because yeah, Portland, it's Portland like, LAFC. Like double dose of yeah. Portland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, to me, both teams will absolutely take it easy on that MLS Cup game. You have to, you have to get to a final. I mean, getting to a final whatever way you can, because then it's just in some ways a crapshoot. You have to do that. But first we have to get past New Mexico. I know that you're prioritizing Open Cup less, Rodrigo. Yeah, that is true. That would have been my answer. My what I said? No. <laughs> he, wants, he, wants, he, wants, he wants all in, all in for the for the MLS match. MLS. I mean, securing a home playoff game. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this is the first time I've felt some kind of like I remember who asked the question of some kind of optimism about the depth, and it's it's cool and it's nice, and I think ride it and kind of keep it going and see what we can do. Um. Toby Sizer says, since the start of 2018, we've had four to five players run out at left wing. Not one has found real success out there. Is it really all personnel, or is it deeper structural issue at play? Part of it's we've never had a... And, <laughs> like, we've had a lot of issues at left back as well. I should say, he also follows up with, Ibarra and Molino have only been great when moving inside from the left, never actually out wide. It goes back to the left and, wing. Thing, and that yeah. part, I, w- I would say, is actually not a problem. Not every winger, not every outside midfielder needs to play as an Ethan Finley winger and stay out wide. Uh, a lot of teams don't play with wingers at all and use both their outside midfielders coming inside. But um, I, don't, I don't know if you... Is there, is there something tactical there that, that means the Alexi Gomez is... left back in, in the first place. Like... Obviously, we had Calvo for a while, but I'm not sure the word no, stability. Said stable, really yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Oh, yeah. like stable. I, I, I think you're you're right, Alex. I've got we... a footnote something really quick. As soon as he said that, it all came coming back, come came rushing back. So, I was in Atlanta for oh, five days over the fourth, and you know, my cousin, of course, is a big Atlanta supporter, and so he recorded the Chicago Atlanta match, and. We we were doing oh five one right exactly we we were doing family stuff beforehand so once the kids were in bed we got went down to the uh, the TiVo and fired it up and it was one of those early goals I think it was in, it was under ten minutes for sure like fifth or sixth minute who scored for Chicago first Calvo oh I laughed oh, so yeah. hard he got so mad <laughs> it was good times <laughs> um and PT Martinez is on the way out there did you see that. No, that they 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 might uh, that's quick be I loaning thought, him out. Really? Because well, I mean, that's he, good. I, I mean, thought that he had said that Frank had said that he's not going anywhere. But I, that was what I read like earlier today. I don't know if there's anything more developed. Yeah, later. Like, vote of confidence. Uh, Sorry, I just my, wanted to put that little footnote in there. It was it was cl- classic. Uh, I mean, PD is hitting the stride now. So I mean, like that's the thing. But I think this team. Did I read revol- this newsroom? This this this, this no, the team revolves okay. uh, revolves revolves around Barco. Mm-hmm. So I mean, PD has just been, sh- you know, now been being able to start producing. But that team without Barco is not a team, really. Honestly, um, you had a Rose Lavelle story. You wanted to tell? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, you were dangling that one. So like I have I, I have a former I used to live in apartment complexes um in Saint Paul and then I used to um 
to be able to get stuff knocked off the rent, I used to do some cleaning around the building, and someone, some, someone that tenant did that too. We became friends, right? And they ended up moving out to Chicago, and uh, I saw him a couple times when I was there for the last World Cup. Um, great person. Um, they got married. They have kids. And so I posted a story on my Instagram, and where like they're celebrating, the women's team is celebrating, and someone hits me up and says, "Hey, that's my wife's cousin," and I'm like, "Who's your wife's cousin, right?" Rose Lavelle. Rose Lavelle. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, "What? Are you serious?" He's like, yeah. And so like, so if anything of the rumors, because they already started putting some of the the, the tour schedules out, uh, if any of those happen to happen to come in Chicago, or if they don't come in Chicago and they come to 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 St. Paul day after Labor Day, there might be there might be a chance for like these people actually do make a trip because it's a family thing, and and who knows there might be there might be a uh, Rose Lavelle connection with with with. All I'm thinking about when they come when U.S. Women's National Team comes to Minnesota, is the night before party. If I get Megan Rapinoe in that bar, (laughs) we are literally that night locking the fucking doors. Never opening them again. You we're might not, not opening, have a bar back. We're, we're not. We're I'm, not. I'm watching these parties on that. What's uh, Ashlyn? Uh, Ashlyn Harris. Yeah, <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god her shit's so much watching fun. Them, watching them celebrate is just the they're, they're best gonna, thing. They burn the black heart down. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 but we're just not opening for the game. We're just literally going to stay closed. Megan Rapino has walked into this bar. We're done. You, Shut you, it down. You have until September to get like a life-size cutout of Megan Rapinoe to be able to display somewhere. I already have looked into putting a Megan Rapinoe on the on the outside wall. Excellent. But, uh, what questions do we have? Twitter questions. Twitter um, questions. There's a, there's two questions here actually that that are basically similar. Nick Barkley asks basically, uh, U.S. Women's National Team soccer brought to mainstream. For people who are interested in getting to know the players, rules, strategies, tactics, culture, etc., where can I send them? And then Donald Trick asks a more general like, I've been watching soccer for two years and wondering if you can recommend resources for understanding basic soccer tactics, etc. Uh, I think he's basically like he hears podcasts talk about tactics, you know, talking about overloading fullbacks, about sending, etc., and just feeling like I partially get what you're saying, but I don't. Um, where where should we? Let's take that one, and then we'll go U.S. women specific. Um, and it, I, don't, I mean, I listen to a lot of soccer podcasts, and I think the ones that speak specifically to like. The tactical aspect of it, of and then explain a little bit more. I mean, I think, and, and I might be naive because I don't listen to all the soccer podcasts, but like I think that Total Soccer Show does a, does a decent job of, of breaking down games and breaking down what each player was doing and how they were attacking. So like if you are a person who's just learning about the game, I think listening to a pair of nerds who break down everything. To the to to the T is is a good is a good way to start. And and those guys, he mentioned them in a follow up podcast, and I think that they're the probably the best podcast of talking about it in a kind of semi educational way. I mean, they'll talk about a game, but oftentimes one of them will kind of play dumb or something like that, and be like, "Well, what do you mean when you say the six needs to do this or what?" You know, um, and I think that listening, you know, they they that podcast is so good, and they put out so much content that I can't listen to it very often. But they are. You just gotta do the Zeller thing and just listen to everything on oh twice God. the speed, so you can. That is like twice as sacrilegious to me. That <laughs> including is like his own, dis- apparently. Like, his own, yeah, sc- apparently, ed- he, yeah. Apparently, he edits at home with no headphones on, 
at two two speed. I, I like the fact that he is still married is amazing to me. I like I would I'd be like divorce, bitch. Oh my god. Unreal. He'll he's listening to this right now at, at two two speed or whatever. And he can't quite get the, the comic pacing of it because it's too fast, asshole. Um, as for US as for Nick's question, US specific, there are people like uh, I, I mean I, I follow all my wo woso stuff um, via Twitter and I, I do not follow it closely at all. Um, I don't have enough space in my brain for it. Um, but there are people like Caitlin Murray, like, um, um, who's the guy in Houston? There's a dude in Houston. I'm blanking on his name. There's Kim McCauley, who writes for SB Nation. There's a few of those people out there um, who regularly do it. And then there's the the really market-specific people. Um, the Portland Thorns have a really good person. Um uh, I can see her Twitter profile, but I can't think of her name. Uh, I retweeted so um, many people, too, and so right? there's there are, are people out there who yeah. that's how I keep up with it with the the characters uh, on each of the teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the SB Nation and, and people like that do a decent job of having NWSL stories. I, I don't know if the Athletic is doing it much yet. Um, well, let's hope they do. I but mean, uh, but but finding finding those places where at least it's like okay, I know I can check SB Nation every few days. The love story. They do. About I Chicago know the athletic because like, I retweeted. Um, I can't think of her name right now, but yes. They well, do. they had a couple people there for the World Cup. I know, yeah. but um, it's like also MLS female, right? The, you're they, talking about long term as well too. So yeah, um, yes, uh, as well. MLS female does that. Um, let's uh, let's call it a day. Anything else? We're all good. Um, it's it's weird not uh, having days full of football all the time now. It's I know it's weird. It's like today I was like, "What am I gonna watch?" Yeah. And I was like, "There's no final and there's no other game." And I'm like, for a while I stopped updating the soccer this week because I was like, Just "Fuck it, yeah. <laughs> like I can't." Even, it's a chalkboard. It takes so much. Like, oh my god, I can't, I don't have time to write this. My wrist yeah. is broken. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, it was it was just fun. It got intense. I mean, it was it was. And I mean, it was, it was it was crazy, and I and I get the reasoning why we don't want to schedule all three finals on the same thing, and I and I really do, and at the same time because we're 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 like over exhausted, right? We like we couldn't like the day after we're like yeah I don't really, and I was coaching I was coaching uh, I would coach Easter Watch's last game the last final game that they had before they left for Sweden, mm -hmm. and so they played Blaine and had a horrible first half. And then you know did my coaching thing, and then then I'm winning five two, so <laughs> as their last game, as their last as their last game, uh, and now in, I guess they end up being tied for 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 first place uh, as the last game. So we'll see what happens after. Boom. Let's see if they ended up getting a co championship. So I was just very happy, and I've had to go send them off today, and that was a whole different thing because a lot of them is the first time out of the country, and Nubia deserves to be out of the country for a good couple of weeks just to be able to treat herself, and so. Treat, I'm on soccer know, mode. Although, treating yourself when uh, taking care of... No, she's not really taking care of. Oh. Like, aspect is, like, the first part of the trip, she's in a hotel because all the other kids are, like, with host families. She's going oh. straight to the aqua beat. Yeah. Yeah. So she has, like, three or four days where she's <laughs> then just... Then it is treat yourself. And then, and then yeah. she just, you know, chaperone the kids when they go to practices and go to game, and that's yeah. pretty much it. I'll yeah. Lisa to send me. She went to a bunch of new breweries in, in Copenhagen out there. Yeah. Get the names. Yeah, we're going to oh. have to... You're going to have to send that person's name over again so we can go ahead and see what they... You, you mentioned that 
you, your connection with uh, Copenhagen. And oh yeah, the, the place where I worked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Can we just do this off air? No. No. Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's way too late. Wait, what's too All late? Right. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> Rodrigo just had to give him how good a coach he is. That's right. That's oh, right. Hey, do you want to talk to my friend? Oh, yeah, let me. Here's his number right now. <laughs>